Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for you. If memory serves podcast. I really got the geek bug. I'm really geeking out. Well, yeah, but let's not forget, I had the Pac-Man watch complete with the joystick. Hello and welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of If Memory Serves here on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. My name is Taylor. I'll be one of your hosts on this journey back down through the 80s and 90s, and joining me, as he will, every month when we sit down to talk about a different topic is my brother, Sebastian. Seb, how's it going? It's going great. Feliz Navidad. Indeed. Feliz Navidad to everyone, and Merry Christmas. Here we are the 2nd of December as we sit down to talk. Here we go. Christmas is just around the corner. Are you ready? I I am so ready. The lights are on the house. The tree is up. The kids keep going. I want this. I want that when they see commercials. And I know how our parents felt. This is awesome. Let the games begin. Indeed. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty excited. Uh, some of the people out there in podcast land might know that my brother Tay um, is an old hand at hosting podcasts. This is the very first time that I've even attempted anything like this, so I'm a, I'm kind of excited, a little bit nervous, and I'm actually wondering how often we're allowed to use the word bro, since technically and legally and genetically we are brothers. So I kind of feel that it might be, it might be slightly appropriate, but I'm not sure if it would put off any of our viewership, if we have a viewership, that is. I, I will have a listenership, that's for sure, um, and I think it's fine to say bro. Awesome. I think it totally is. That sounds like a plan. All right. Yeah. So now. Hmm. Taylor, what 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 can you tell us? What can you tell our listeners about the idea behind this podcast and why it's called what it is and and what we kind of have in mind for it? That's a great question. Um it seems like every time we get together as a family uh to sit down and and have a holiday or a birthday or something together, you and I end up talking about stuff from our childhood, whether it's toys or TV shows or places. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and when you guys were over for Thanksgiving a couple weeks ago, I don't remember exactly what we were talking about, but I just kind of turned to you and I said, dude, we should, we should be doing a podcast about this. And totally. I didn't think it was something that was going to catch on in your head, but you sent me a message the next morning going, dude, I've been doing nothing but thinking about this podcast. And I'm like, all right, I think we're going to do this. I really couldn't fall asleep that night that we got together. It was the Friday after Thanksgiving. It was just over a week ago. And I kept thinking about it um, because I think that this is a great idea. I mean, I'm I'm on the cusp of turning 40 years old. You've already yeah. taken that, that, that leap. Um, you're, you're the older brother, ladies and gentlemen. We should make you aware of that. Uh, I'm the younger brother. <laughs> By, by a few years. Um, yeah, just a couple. And, and I think as, as we get older, you know, I'm starting to forget things and mom and dad are starting to forget things. And before we get to the point where we're the two old men from, you know, like the Muppet show, I think we <laughs> should maybe try to capture some of these memories. Um, for one thing, I mean, Taylor and I, we grew up in the 1980s and 1990s in California, um, specifically 
uh, San Jose, the heart of what's today the Silicon Valley. Uh, of course, when we grew up, it was called the Santa Clara Valley. Yep. And things change so rapidly in our hometown. Every time I go back home to see mom and dad, another business has closed from our childhood. Another building has been torn down. And it's just part of an attempt, I feel, to try to capture some of these memories. I know personally I've worked on our genealogy in the past, and yeah. some of our ancestors – the only evidence that I can find are just really tiny scraps of information, maybe um, a, a random bill that they stayed at a hotel at a particular place at a particular time. And, you know, I really hope that, you know, our future generations will look at back on something like maybe a podcast like this and try to get a more colorful idea of what it was like for us growing up and have a little bit more color commentary. So I'm excited. It's great. Yeah, I am too. That's for sure. Um, so... The title, If Memory Serves, comes from something that when Seb asks me uh, something about our childhood and I answer, I go, well, yeah, if memory serves, uh, it was this, that, and the other thing. And so it kind of stuck out to me as a, a fitting um, podcast title. More than fitting, definitely. All right. Well, since it is... December, and there is definitely a chill in the air here. I don't know about up where you are, Seb, but um, let's talk Ooh, Christmas. It's chilly. Yeah, it's a Christmas episode, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And I know <laughs> ladies that and gentlemen, we Kelly were, uh... Clarkson. No. <laughs> when we were talking about this episode and talking about putting show notes together, the first thing that came to my mind was what I think we have to start with, because it's essentially my earliest dateable Christmas memory which was the um, the LP, the record that was released along with, uh, at, or um, it was the, LP, the audio recording of the Christmas Eve on Sesame Street television special from yeah. the year 1978. Now, I think you might also have some pretty fond memories of this, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I do, and, and most of it involves that little scratch in the record right when the Count is singing about his two front teeth and it got <laughs> stuck on my two front teeth, my two oh, front God. teeth. My two front teeth. See, but I actually... That's, oh, that's a... Sorry to interrupt. That's no. a memory that I haven't thought about in at least eight years. Maybe oh, my more. gosh. That's... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I actually managed to find the uh, the actual special, uh, right. the video of it uh, on YouTube, and I'll stick, it, I'll stick a link to that in the show notes. I'm trying to get the kids to see if they'll watch it, but my oh, son's awesome. already kind of like, no, nah, Sesame Street's for babies. <laughs> but I might just force it on him at some point. That or the Star Wars Christmas special. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, you know, this record, um, it's weird because as a child, I knew it as a record. Obviously, there was the television special that mm -hmm. went along with it, but I had no memory of the television special. In my universe that I lived in, it was just a record, just an LP. And that was the only way that we consumed it, I guess. I guess because back in the, you know, at that time, we didn't have like necessarily a VCR. Maybe we didn't have a recording of the television special. No, we definitely um, didn't because the VCR didn't come along till about February of 1984. I think you're right. I think the first thing we recorded on our family VCR was um, the Annie musical movie, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah. that was because we were um, we were sneaking HBO at the time. That's right. That's yes. right. And I think I think it's interesting because you can sort of date. We can date our memories based on um, these different properties. So it's like, okay, well, you know, when did Annie come out? That's how we know 
when we got our VCR. Or I remember playing this video game, so maybe that's when we got our Atari or something like that. So, yeah, exactly. And and we should warn the listeners that much like the memory uh, uh, system in our brains, we will probably frequently start on one topic and kind of wander around and hit other memories along the way. So don't be surprised if we meander. We will get back on topic. <laughs> well, now I have to tell you, with regards to the Sesame Christmas Street record, yes, my biggest memory of that was there was a portion of the plot where Bert and Ernie went to Mr. Hooper's general store and they pawned their most precious items to get money to buy each other gifts. I think Ernie pawned his rubber ducky, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And Bert pawned his bottle cap collection. And then, spoiler alert, <laughs> Bert bought the rubber ducky for Ernie, and Ernie bought the bottle cap collection for Bert, I think. Now, and it, they gave him those gifts. You, Is this, did, you, you are this correct. Memory? Okay. You right. are correct in, in, in that they... Um, sold things precious to them in order to buy something precious for the other. But I actually, right. when I was peeking at the YouTube video, managed to jump ahead to, to just that spot where they realize, hey, I know what I'm going to get Bert. Hey, I know what I'm going to get Ernie. And I'm pretty sure Ernie was going to get a cigar box for Bert to keep his paperclip collection in. Okay, and okay. Bert was going to get a soap dish for Ernie to yes. keep his rubber ducky in. That's I think you're right now. I think you're right. And it's just I don't know. There was something about the. I mean, it was like a semi sickly sweet memory of just the the I don't know the pathos of the events or something. I mean, even sure. even as a tiny child, I knew that this was tugging on heartstrings, even though at the time I didn't know what heartstrings were. And it just it left a really it kind of like is this just the wonderful appetizer for all of my childhood Christmas memories? If that even makes sense, I guess it totally makes sense. And and as as an adult and as a parent now, I see that very much in my kids. Oh, cool. Um, and and I see kind of what hits them emotionally. Right. Um, so yeah, I totally get that. That's awesome, man. Uh, so now, yeah. um, did you want to? Should we uh, move into some of our favorite, most memorable Christmas gifts from our childhood? Or? You know, I I think we should. But before okay. we do, I want to just take a moment and share with the listeners. I found um, again, it's a YouTube channel. It's '80s Commercial Vault. Um, and I came across some, uh, Christmas ads from 1984, oh. uh, when I was a mere eight years old. And I think you were just creeping up on six. I think you're right. If I'm not mistaken. So there's a, they had a Toys R Us ad, uh, from 1984 that, uh, I, I stole the audio off of. So let's, uh, let's take a quick listen to that. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. They got a million toys and toys R Us that I can play with. Jeffrey, she wants everything. Well, everything's at Toys R Us. Like Golden Books, Rainbow Bright Storybooks, only $4.97 each. Toys R Us has a whole library of them. Only $9.97 for Ertl's radio-controlled 18 van. Wow. And only $10.97 for Uno Wild Tile from International Games. More games, more toys. Oh, boy. I want to be a Toys R Us kid. Oh my gosh, that brings back some memories. Right? Oh jeez. You know, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I, I I think this has probably been said a million times before, but I really have to say that I think that you and I grew up in a golden age for at least one reason, which was the fact that 
many, if not most Americans at, at the time that we were growing up started purchasing VCRs. Mm-hmm. And when I think about this, it's like, okay, let's imagine you grew up in the 1950s or 1960s. You probably were surrounded with radio commercials, television commercials, but there probably wasn't a very convenient way for you to record those 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 commercials. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and these days, you can go on YouTube and you can find a boatload of old TV commercials that were recorded accidentally, incidentally, on VCRs because people were recording other television programs, right? Yeah, exactly. But even, I mean, even today, though, I think about, like, if I record something on my DVR system on my cable box, mm-hmm. I mean, sure, I'm recording commercials that are from the year 2017, the present, but that particular DVR recording, I mean, what are the chances that that actual recording will still be in my life 30 years in the future from right now? Oh. I mean, probably not very, those are probably not very good odds. I mean, if anything, it might be a situation where we have like a, almost like a digital dark ages, you know? So it's In some ways, like, yeah. So it's almost like the 80s and early 90s was like this golden sweet spot where we had the technology to easily record things like commercials, mm-hmm. but in a, in a uh, for lack of a better phrase, more permanent form of media than the digital age we live in now it's almost like we, we were at the perfect time no I, I completely agree with you on that because oh, you know uh, uh, i still have some vcr tapes right. uh of of certain things like even my wedding in 2002 is on right. a vcr tape i mean we've converted it since but still um exactly. all our old home movies mm-hmm. you know we kept the vcr tapes i eventually got them converted you know but yeah, today, I mean, after we're done here recording, I'm going to go watch Ghost Adventures. Yeah, there's commercials right. on it, but I'm going to fast forward through them. And then when it's done, I'm going to delete it. It's a very throwaway culture. Right, right, exactly. And I just think there's something really special about the fact that that we can go back and look at or listen to something as ephemeral as a Toys R Us commercial, the audio of a Toys R Us commercial from the 1980s. You know, mm-hmm. and we can just we can touch that in a way that. Maybe someone who like like our father or our mother that grew up in the fifties and sixties, they can't touch those ephemeral things anymore. And it's just it's almost like a privilege kind of. I mean, I don't know if that sounds sick or not, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it sounds sick. Oh my gosh. You know, but you, you do have a very unique way of looking all that kind of stuff. I have to say though, um, you know, I, I kinda really wish I had a chance to have that uh ten dollar A team van. Oh my god, yeah. Is that crazy? Jeez. Tell me about it. <laughs> And and we could probably spend an entire podcast just talking about um, just maybe like the sexism in the commercials oh, where yeah. like this, the spot in the commercial where the kid's like, oh, that's my sister. She wants everything. <laughs> hmm, girls are materialistic. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> that wouldn't fly today. No, maybe totally, it would. I don't know. Totally it's a totally different era, you know, but I yeah. think that that's. That's the beauty of YouTube, in for lack of a better phrase, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, what what are some of your toy memories from Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Some of my gift memories, you know. I mean, to be honest, as you know, I had I was born very close to Christmas Day. <laughs> very. So for me, I mean, some of my memories, some of my distinct memories are of the not so great things. You know, I always, you know, we might have an uncle here or there who would give me a great gift for christmas like a toy but maybe my 
soon-to-follow birthday gift would be the batteries to operate the Christmas <laughs> gift. So that yeah. it wasn't necessarily a good memory, but it was like it left a very strong memory. Mm-hmm. But probably my favorite Christmas gift memory – actually, this is a story that for, from what I understand, you don't particularly remember. No. But – Actually, I called mom this morning on the phone and I fact checked this story. I wanted to make sure that we don't have any sort of fake news or anything in this podcast. <laughs> and she confirmed the accuracy of this. So let me let me take you back a few years and tell you this story. So basically, it starts out in the year 1986. And the Worlds of Wonder Toy Company, which was probably best known for Teddy Ruxpin, yes. they released Laser Tag. Now <sighs> This Laser was tag. hands down my favorite infrared pursuit game of the 1980s. <laughs> um, it was all the rage. It, it even inspired an animated series on NBC called Laser Tag Academy. Really? Yeah, it was amazing. Wow. And apparently, you and I like desperately wanted Laser Tag in 1986 for Christmas. And well, it is so pretty much badass. So that, oh my gosh! Right. So, mom, being the great mom that she was. She called a lot of different toy stores in the neighborhood to try to see if anybody had it in stock. And they were all sold out except there was one toy store that was down the road from us in the city of Sunnyvale, California. Now, she wasn't able – mom was not able to find a babysitter. So she simply took either me or you and me in the car along with her to go to the Toys R Us and buy the last laser tag box set right off the shelf. Now we didn't get the gift until Christmas, but the thing was, it's like all pretense of Santa Claus was dropped by mom in a valiant attempt to ensure a happy Christmas. (laughs) Now, if the story ended there, that alone would have been enough to merit mom of the year status in my books. But it turns out that this Toys R Us is the infamous haunted Toys R Us. And how do we know it is haunted? Because Leonard freaking Nimoy actually said so. <laughs> and if this Leonard haunted, Nimoy said so. This, Leonard Nimoy, right? Mr. Spock himself. This haunted Toys R Us. It's, it's actually located at uh, 130 East El Camino Real in Sunnyvale, California. It's been featured in numerous newspaper articles and TV shows, including That's Incredible. Um, but it was also featured on Haunted Lives, True Ghost Stories, a short-lived TV miniseries from 1991. It was actually narrated by um, Leonard Nimoy, of course, star of things like Star Trek and In Search Of. It was actually directed by Toby Hooper, who I don't know if you know, but he was the director of Poltergeist. Oh, and okay. other things like The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, really? Wow. Right. And so one of the episodes was appropriately titled Ghosts Are Us. In a series of hauntings in a most unlikely location, an ordinary toy store in Sunnyvale, California. Nice. <laughs> it, was about this, it was about this Toys R Us. And so according to Leonard Nimoy, um, there was a Swedish immigrant named Janne Janssen. And Nimoy describes him as a barely literate, emotionally disturbed farmhand who lived for just one thing, his desperate love for his employer's daughter. And oh, he boy. died tragically in the late 19th century on a ranch whose land the Toys R Us store now sits upon. And Yanni continues to haunt the store to the annoyance of employees and customers. And most of these old videos, they can be found on YouTube, and they're actually pretty much a visual treasure of, like, vintage toys from our childhood. Oh, I'm sure. And anyway, this whole laser tag story is one of my favorite childhood Christmas memories for so many different reasons. The first thing, I think, is because it reminds me of some of the darker and scarier undertones to Christmas. So, like, let me give you an example. 
Andy Williams, he had a classic 1963 Christmas song called It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. And there's a verse in this song that I have always found strange. It's a song that everybody's heard. We've all heard it on the radio around Christmas time. Anyway, there's this one verse in the song where he says, There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. Mm -hmm. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. And even as a little kid, I'd hear this song and I'd think to myself, scary ghost stories? What the heck is he talking about? Because, <laughs> like, the only Christmas ghost story I know about is A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Right. But is that what he means? Or, like, is he actually talking about something perhaps older and darker, like the infamous legend of the Krampus, which kind of, like, lived throughout, like, medieval Christmas lore? Oh, it might be a Krampus thing. Yeah, because it's like, I think these days there's tons of people who bemoan the absence of religious sentiment from today's Christmas traditions. But I think you could just as well argue that we've forgotten the scary traditions of Christmas. So that's like one of the reasons I find this story just fascinating. Wow. Another thing is, um, I have to wonder, now our great-grandfather actually immigrated from Sweden to the Santa Clara Valley at the end of the 19th century. So it's like, did he know Yanni if this guy really existed? They're both countrymen from the same country. They, they're both immigrants to the Santa Clara Valley. It's like, okay, that, that kind of rings some bells going on. Well, that, that sounds like a job for the family genealogist and the, the, uh, the researcher. Right, right. And, and then here's, here's the kicker. So the third reason that this is probably my favorite childhood Christmas memory is it shows just how great our mom is. Because one of the things is, it's like, this episode, and I think this podcast, ultimately boils down to happy childhood memories. Mm -hmm. And I think happy childhood memories, saying you have happy childhood memories, is basically another way of saying you have great parents. You know? So I, this is, I almost kind yes. of feel like this podcast is like a love letter to our parents, you know? <laughs> and it's like, it's like, here's the thing. It's like, not only did our mom go like the extra mile to secure us this like, last you know box set of the laser tag toy mm -hmm. but she jumped headlong into a like a supernatural paranormal portal to do it it's like how cool is that I, right that is cool and you know our parents you know we were very lucky um you know th we even though times were tight sometimes i always felt like we wanted for nothing oh my god um, totally we had but everything. I don't know that I would describe that Sunnyvale Toys R Us as a paranormal <laughs> portal of much of anything. Um, I've yeah, been in there so many times, and I've I never had any sort of experience. You've never felt anything, really? Uh, the only the only things that I have ever felt in that Toys R Us uh, that come to mind are, gosh, I really want this toy, or are we done yet? I really need to pee. Okay, because here's the thing. Like, I've been there plenty of times. I I really love going there and talking to employees, and every once in a while I'll find one who actually, like, will stop and talk with me in the aisle about weird stuff that they've experienced, which I think is just really cool. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. So there's only one experience I've had in the allegedly haunted Toys R Us in Sunnyvale. I'll just tell it as a really quick story. I don't know if you'd find it interesting or not. Yeah, Here's the thing. So so basically, mom bought me an action figure around 1985, and it was a toy line called Manglor, M-A-N-G-L-O-R. Okay. Now, the Manglors, they were flexible figures. They were actually made from a synthetic viscoelastic urethane polymer. And according to the television commercials, what you were able to do was you could rip the arm off of the figure – 
and then you could reattach it to the body with a small application of pressure and the and like the arm would stay there i have right? a vague memory of this thing right so anyway so mom just like the laser tag story mom actually bought me the very last mangalore in stock at the toys r us it wasn't for christmas but it was just a regular purchase right yeah but here's the thing so mom having seen the commercial once we purchased it she actually ripped the arm off but it would not reattach <laughs> now here's the thing only years later did the internet reveal to me that almost nobody on the planet was able to reattach their Mangalore limbs due to faulty toy construction <laughs> and a less than truthful advertising campaign oh, but as a child as as a child I was like absolutely horrified and I'm going to like I'm really ashamed to say this but as a child for years after this incident I used this as emotional leverage against mom. You know oh. what I mean? Because it's like, you know, it's like if like, I don't know, if mom says, oh, you have to go to bed early tonight. I'd be like, well, yeah, well, you destroyed my, my toy, you know, or something. <laughs> and it's like, I feel really guilty for saying that now. But now I, I choose not to blame mom. But instead, I'm just going to blame the ghost of Yanni Hansen. Okay, that that works for me. Right. So what are some of the great childhood toy memories you remember from Christmas gifts? Oh, my gosh. Um... Well, I don't know if you remember, but I feel like we always got a lot of candy for Christmas. Do you remember the, these giant tubes of like bubblegum balls that we would get? Man, I've been I've been trying to rack my brain to remembering this. The only thing that I can think of are mm -hmm. like largish sized plastic uh candy cane shaped containers of M&Ms, but oh. I don't think that's the same thing. No, it's not. They still do make those M&M &M candy canes though. Yeah. Um no, these these were I mean, these had to easily be a couple feet long. Okay. And it was just filled with bubble gum. Right. Because, you know, sugar's not bad for you. Not at all. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I remember one time I was unwrapping a gift. I think it was okay. from someone in the extended family. Like the, the, um, well, I say the family down in Arizona, but it was Hollister and then Porterville and then Vegas sure. and then Arizona. But, that side of the family and and i got all excited because i i unwrap the the paper and and here's this boom box and i'm like dude i'm getting a boom box <laughs> and i open it and there's a skateboard inside which <laughs> don't get me wrong cool skateboard but for what it's worth i've never learned to skateboard and, and even <laughs> then at best i would like kneel on it and push myself along it's amazing how sometimes our strongest memories are can be not only the best things we got but even some of the biggest i don't want to say disappointments but um fake outs? Of better, some of the, yeah maybe some of the biggest fake outs i guess yeah do yeah, you definitely. do you remember that space shuttle tent we had i do i definitely remember getting it as a gift perhaps on christmas eve which was a tradition i think in our family we would get at least well i think what it was was we had some i think it came from our aunt carol and maybe we saw her or might have been our uncle earl and we saw them perhaps on Christmas Eve, and that's why we received the gift then. We opened it so they could see us enjoying it, Yeah, I think. And I definitely remember us erecting these space shuttle tents in the living room and sleeping in it. And then I saw mom or dad filling the stockings. And I think that was the first time that I knew that Santa wasn't real. Yeah, and, and a clear sign that I sleep deeper than you do. Yeah, we actually set that <laughs> tent up on the hide-a-bed. The hide-a-bed, the fold-out bed. The, the fold, yes, that we had in that living room at that time. And we're like, we're we're going to sleep out here, and we're going to see Santa. And I crashed right. out. 
Right, right. <laughs> now, do you? Here's the weird thing. It's like hmm. I have no memories of that tent after that night. So it's like, part of me wonders, like, did the tent predate the Challenger tragedy, or like, was it after the Challenger tragedy? Oh gosh, let's see. Challenger like, was in early '86. Did we? It's like, did we reenact the Challenger? Disaster no, with the no. tent, and it was taken away from us because no, it was inappropriate or something. No, we didn't do anything like oh that. Gosh. But you're you're right. I don't have any other really clear memories of that tent after that one instance. Oh my god, we must have used it again. I mean, we space is awesome, right? Right, right. What else do you remember? You know what? That's a great question. I do have something I want to talk about, but but before we do that, let's talk about some more of your memories of great gifts. Oh, uh, okay. Um, well, shoot, I remember, um, oh god, do you remember that Casio keyboard we got, and it had, like, the electronic drum pad? It was the best! It, it was, was awesome. it was so much fun, I loved playing with that so much, I am not even remotely musically talented, but I loved playing with it. Two words, Bossa Nova. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I'd forgotten. Yes, because it had all these pre-programmed tempos, and one of them right. was Bossa Nova. Right. Holy right. crap, I'd forgotten about that. Which was the best preloaded. It tempo, was. It was. A, it was a really good one. It was great. I loved setting it to. If I remember right, I loved setting it to vibraphone. Oh wow! Because yeah. it was a, a kind of like uh, like synth xylophone feel to it god right. oh my god now i feel like right. i need to find one of those i i want to say that we still have one of our old casio keyboards but either really? one of us probably you because i think it was you because you had more artistic talent actually drew little drawings of like half dome from yosemite national park in <laughs> sharper marky like i, pen ink I did the, tend the, to draw on things yeah. yeah yeah i i remember that yeah i i do doodle a lot even now um, and Yosemite is, you know, the most awesome national park in the world. So, you know, suck at Yellowstone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, do you remember, it, we weren't always all G.I. Joe and Transformers, which oddly we haven't talked about G.I. Joe or Transformers yet. But Oh, those could be whole episodes by themselves. And they probably will be at some right. point. So, so if we don't mention it now in detail, folks, don't worry, we will probably get to it. But... I remember when the Cabbage Patch Kid craze hit. Huge. And Absolutely. I, oh, too, I do too. You can go on like YouTube and stuff and find videos from back in the day. I mean, that was like the first legit, you know, Christmas hit. People fighting over each other for these things back in the day. And for whatever reason, we really wanted them. Well, I think it's really interesting because I think mom and dad raised us without you earlier. You were talking about YouTube old 80s commercials on YouTubes and how you could see um, gender stereotypes expressed mm -hmm. in the television advertisements. And I definitely remember being conscious as a child of mom and dad raising us with very um, liberal standards in terms of toys. So, for instance, I loved my Star Wars toys. I loved my G.I. Joe action figures. But mom and dad did not have a problem when I said that I wanted a My Little Pony. And I definitely remember having a My Little Pony, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I think it was a seahorse. I don't even know if that's a real thing or, like, <laughs> was it a knockoff? Were there My Little Pony seahorses? Oh, that, that sounds like a Google search waiting to happen. And it's just, yeah, but it's like the Cabbage Patch Kids. I mean, I don't want to say that they were exclusively marketed to girls. Not I necessarily, but, you know, they're... they're... But, you think of society at the time, and it was like, well, right. it's a doll. It's for a girl. It's a doll. It has to be for a girl. Um, but I definitely remember like us being into it and mom and dad being cool with that. Yes. You know yeah, I mean? absolutely. And and I remember them being 
so in demand and so not in stock that mom actually went and found like a sewing pattern right and made us our own slightly taller slightly more lanky <laughs> cabbage patch kits she she made us homemade cabbage patch kits she did again, you have to think mom and dad you know times were tight they weren't rich people but they wanted to give us what we wanted and in many cases if they couldn't they'd make it and yeah. you know what I wish I still had a homemade Cabbage Patch kit because how much love is in that, right? And I definitely remember like that like once the heads were made and painted but not put on the bodies, I, I, I seem to recall us maybe playing bowling with the heads. Like this, like there were severed heads, but oh, they weren't God. severed because they were – I don't know if that's a real memory or not. I we'll don't know that I remember that, but yeah, that might need okay. some fact-checking. I think so. I think so. All right. So so what's – come on. What's, what's some of the stuff that you – remember and and want to talk about yeah well you know i definitely want to talk really briefly about christmas gifts that we never got um not because our parents didn't get them for us but because they weren't really available the first thing i want to talk about when in 1984 a film called the last starfighter came yeah out, i remember that, that wow I, I love that. I still love that film. And only recently have I discovered on the incredible website plaidstallions.com <laughs> plaidstallions Plaid Stallions is the end all be all of the internet, basically. Okay. And it's they, uh, according to Plaid Stallions, the toy company Galoob got to the point where they actually created prototype action figures for the film The Last Starfighter. They were nice. never released, but there's beautiful color photography on the website uh, highlighting these figures. And there was a character in the film called Greek who was played by Dan O'Hurlihy, and he was an alien, but he was um, one of the co-pilots of the, the spaceship. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. And he, he was he looked like a space lizard. And it's those I reptilians, man. It's those the, reptilians. That's the thing. I totally want a Greek action figure, if nothing else, that I could reenact, like, reptilian conspiracy theories or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, or bad episodes but, of V. Yeah, but he, but he would, Greek would have been like a nice reptilian. I think the reptilians, generally speaking, are are, are thought of as kind of not nice uh, aliens in um, in generally accepted conspiracy circles. Yes, right. But that that's right. a story for another episode, I'm sure. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, the other toy that I never got for Christmas is something that not only never was on the market, but it was never even conceived of outside of my little fevered five year old child brain. Oh dear. Now. You might be familiar with a 1984 space comedy film called Ice Pirates. Oh, gosh, am I? Yes. Now, Ice, Ice Pirates, it's one of my favorite guilty pleasures. It stars um, Robert Urich, Angelica Houston, Ron Perlman, um, John Matuzak, who played Sloth in The Goonies. Oh, okay. Um, there's, there's even a cameo by Hollywood legend John Carradine. I mean, what could go wrong, right? <laughs> Plenty. It was the mid-'80s. Right. Now, let me tell you this story, and just... Take it with a grain of salt for for, for a moment, but okay. th there's one infamous scene in Ice Pirate where Ice Pirates, where our hero Robert Urich finds himself captured by the evil Templars of Mithra, and he is sentenced to enslavement and emasculation. Hi, uh, any chance you could help me get out of this? Sorry. Well, ah, well maybe we could just get together later then, huh? Oh, I don't think you'll be up for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Thankfully, Yurik, he's rescued by a princess at the last minute. And now, for some reason, the filmmakers in this film, they've always portrayed the eunuch slaves as wearing 
spandex bodysuits and have curly white wigs. Well, that sounds like the 80s. Right. Now, when I was five, I saw this movie, and I didn't know what emasculation was. The <laughs> only thing that I understood was that every time you had a eunuch slave on the screen, they looked hilarious, and I'd laugh my butt off, right? <laughs> now, what five-year-old wouldn't want a playset that they could make their G.I. Joe action figures into curly-wigged heroes, right? And so I desperately wanted a Ice Pirates castration machine playset. That was just like the end-all, be-all. And I think one day, if I ever win the lottery... I'm going to have to pay someone to make me a customized Ice Pirates cardboard castration conveyor belt playset. I mean, wow. But it's like, now that I think back on it, it's like, if I had asked Santa for that, for an Ice Pirates castration machine playset, I mean, do you think mall security would have called child protection services? Possibly. I mean, is there any confidentiality with mall Santas? It's like, all these I, questions just ugh. come to mind. I don't know. I mean, Mall Santas can be a little sketch, although why make the thing out of cardboard after winning the lottery? Get a 3D printer. That's the thing. Yeah, Forward it's thinking, like, man. Yeah, it's like there's so many things you could do with it. Anyway, that's I just had to throw that out there. No, that's, oh my god, that's hilarious. And I'll, I'll put a link to uh, uh, Plaid Stallions and I think to that scene in Ice Pirates into the show notes as well if you guys want to check that out. Total classic. Now, speaking, Tate, you... speaking of Mall Santas. Yeah, yeah. I... I Obviously, you know, we, we were kids, uh, right. you know, we, we grew up in the era of like the birth of the shopping mall. I mean, for right. us in San Jose, Valley Fair was a shopping center that became a mall, I think in October of 84, if memory serves. Hey, there we go. Um, <laughs> and then, um, you know, that, that has grown and grown. And continues to grow. That that place is like a mega mall now. It's scary. It is pretty intense. Um, they still have mall Santas there. I mean, yep. I'm sure they had them when we were kids. Oh yeah. The, the odd the odd thing is, I don't actually have any genuine memories of visiting mall Santas. I know I must have. Um, Strangely enough, I I don't I don't either really. I don't wow, even yeah. I, I don't remember going to like a like the Sears up at Valco or something and right, sitting right. in Santa's lap. I don't know why I don't really have memories of that, but I, I just don't. I didn't know that mom and dad even had pictures of us in I Santa's have... lap at all. You, you bring up two really good points because I think the first aspect is that Mall Santa's – it's really a two-part process, right? I mean you get the photograph, but you also tell Santa what you want. Yeah. But, but the weird thing is I do actually have really strong memories, childhood memories of being at the Valco shopping mall in, in the neighboring city of Cupertino and seeing – uh, a ball Santa set up, but it was actually the Easter Bunny. It was for Easter. Now, I don't remember like going up and sitting on the Easter Bunny's lap or anything, but it made me start to wonder. It's like, I mean, sure, you could go to the Easter Bunny, sit on the costumed person's lap and get a photo, but is there actually that second part of the process where you actually engage in a conversation with, with <laughs> the, the costumed person? Because Probably not. What, what would one talk to the Easter Bunny about? Because, I mean, what do I don't you want remember for Easter? Getting... Um, eggs. Yeah, it's like Cad I don't remember Cadbury getting... ones. I don't know. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> there were... I don't remember presents as part of Easter. It was just chocolate. Everybody got chocolate, so it's Pretty like much... you really say you want a chocolate because it was assumed. And it's like, would you talk about like getting hints about where the eggs are going to be hidden? Or... Yes, that's right. What do you weird... want for What do you want for Easter? I want a map to where you stuck the eggs, bunny boy. It's... It's totally weird because it's like with Santa, there's a whole presumption with part of the Christmas tradition that the kid has to behave well for, or else Santa won't bring him a present, right? But when you think about Easter, I don't remember there being any sort of 
lore that you had to be nice to get the chocolate and stuff. It was no. just like a given. You could be a jerk kid and you'd still get the chocolate. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if some of our listeners know more about this topic, uh, I'd love to learn more, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. And at the end of the show, I'll, I'll, I'll let everyone know how they can reach out and find us. But yeah, I don't seem to remember any of that. But... The the only the only really strong mall Santa memory that I have is mm-hmm. actually not so much a childhood memory. It was more when I was in high school and actually worked at the Valley Fair shopping mall um, in the Hallmark gift card shop. Oh right, and you worked at the Hallmark. I forgot about that. I did. It, there was one evening in December, Christmas season. It was closing time. It was maybe 9 p.m. and all the shops were closing and the security guards were making their sweep to kind of get all the shoppers out of the mall mm-hmm. proper. And there were two teenage punks with green hair that got into a fight. And the guy who was playing the mall Santa actually broke up the fight. I guess he must have just not gotten off shift or something. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I, I watched this whole thing from soup to nuts from beginning to end. And it was like a Christmas miracle because here was Santa breaking up a fight at the mall. And that's one of my hap- – it's not necessarily a childhood Christmas memory, but it's one of my happiest Christmas memories. You know, you. I mean, at our age now, I think we can look back at our teenage years and call it our childhood. Right, right. <clears throat> totally agree. Totally agree. Definitely. So I think we've we've talked a lot about gifts. Um, what are some of your? Of course, Christmas is such a great season for um, television programming. Both, yes. Both, both, both beloved classics and maybe some of the more schlockier Christmas shows. What are some <laughs> of your memories? on the television aspect of Christmas. Oh boy. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot that, that I remember and that I glom on to and, and that I've even shown, you know, my kids, uh, since then. Although nowadays for Schlocky, all you need to do is tune to the Hallmark channel. Cause that's like right. nothing but Christmas movies from like November 1st. It's terrible. It's where you um, go. I mean, obviously for me, one of the ones that, that, came to mind when this came up as a topic was actually the Garfield Christmas special from 1987. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I had to double check. I wasn't sure. I'm like, was it real? I know the Halloween one was real, but, and sure enough, yes, there really was a, a Garfield Christmas special. Wow. That's really cool because I have strong memories of the Halloween special. Mm -hmm. I have, I have semi strong memories of the Thanksgiving special. I have none about that. If you put a gun to my head and said, what was the Christmas special about? I'd ha- I, I have nothing for you. I, I couldn't tell you a single thing um, about the plot or anything like that. So it's this is great because you have this memory, and sometimes your memory is helpful in gaps in my memories and vice versa, I would yeah, hope. So this definitely. is a really cool thing, actually. Definitely. It's, it's funny when you think about how many things uh, from our childhood in the 80s were stuff that was made in the 60s. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you're talking about um, the Ras Bankin, uh, the Rankin Bass production of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You're oh, yeah. talking about, um, you know, the Charlie Brown Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's they're so products of their time. They're so from the '60s, but in my mind, they're just as they just they fit in just as well in the '80s as as, as in the '60s. I guess. Oh, and like, and I will vouch for the fact that they fit in very well in you know 2016 and 2017. Um, they, they really are very timeless. I mean, we've shown the kids, um, the, uh, the Rankin Bass, uh, stop motion ones, and we've shown, um, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, which I, I think probably this year is going to get extra attention because, you know, my kiddo, he's, he's really into Snoopy and really That's into awesome. Charlie Brown right now. And strangely enough, because of a video game, but still he's into it. I'll take it. I'll take yeah, it. Right. You know, 
the only thing I will say, I mean, they even televise that stuff these to these days to this day, but it's just it, for me, it's so jarring not to have '80s commercials in those programs. <laughs> yeah, and that's the only that's the only fly in the ointment, I would say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I you know maybe you could do something where you know you stream it and then you cut to a YouTube thing for a little bit and then you cut back, but that's a lot of work. Yeah, I bet my computer machine could do it somehow using the internets. The um, internets, yes. Oh yes, oh, multiples yes. of them. Right, right. Um, um, go ahead. I mean, one of my one of my favorite um, childhood Christmas TV memories was um, Will Vinton's Claymation Christmas Celebration from oh, 1987. My gosh. Yes. And I watched – this was rerun several times throughout the 80s. I only found it on DVD about 10 years ago. It's now part of the new tradition where I force mom and dad to watch it every year. Oh, no, no. You, you've come like, over oh. here and you've brought it and we've made the kids right. watch it and it's fantastic. And I love it. And I love it. I love Will Vinton. He's the, he's the um, filmmaker who made it. He's an Oscar and Emmy award-winning filmmaker. He actually toined, coined the word claymation, right? Okay. He, he basically sculpted the California Raisins, the famous Noid from the Domino's Pizza commercials, oh, right? Oh, yes, the Noid. Oh, my gosh. And if you haven't seen this television special, it's amazing. It's hosted by two anthropomorphic dinosaurs named Herb and Rex. <laughs> and it, it features a series of musical musical episodes, including one one segment where the California Raisins sing Christmas carols. And it's just it's just perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. It is. It's great. And and if if I, I I feel like I can sort of do Rex's voice when they're talking about wassail. Yes. And yes, and they, and uh, Herb, Herb's thinking that they're talking about waffles. Right. Which right. I'm always down for because you know waffles. But um, it is Wha- no, it's wassail. Yeah, Rex always sounded his like British voice like this. Well, yeah, he always sounded like a cross between Mr. Magoo and George Plimpton. Uh, you know? Yes, actually, that's a very good analogy. <laughs> and it was it was so weird because it's the last voice I would expect to come out of a Tyrannosaurus Rex, but it works. That's the br- that's the brilliance of it. That's the it, beauty. It of does it. definitely work. That's for right. sure. Yeah, no, right. that that's a classic. If, if folks, if you want something really enjoyable this Christmas, go find that on DVD and watch it. It will start it's new awesome. new traditions in your home. It's a classic. You know, the last thing that I personally have to say as a memory of childhood christmas television specials it's actually a weird question Hmm. um the 1983 movie a christmas story the beloved tale of ralphie and his search for um a red rider bb gun right right i mean it's obviously it's it is a classic it's played on loops on television during the christmas season nonstop. but i have no concept or memory of when i first became aware of this film like i don't remember seeing it in the theaters I think I was too young. I don't think mom and dad even took us to it. Um, And I don't think it was televised during the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. I think it must have been during the 90s when they first started showing it, when I first became aware of it, maybe? Boy, that's a really, really good question. Yes. I don't don't have memories of it in the 80s. I know that much. Right. I'd have to do some research. I'd have to do some research and see when it, like, was first, like, they did... uh, you know the the first network premiere of it. It's really weird because at one point, it feels like I've always known it, and at the same time, I have no childhood memory of it. So yeah. it's like this weird dichotomy. I don't know. I just had to throw that out there. But... False implanted memories from those reptilians. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, we will eventually have an episode on the paranormal and stuff. Obviously, something else we're into. 
Um, and I would like to apologize to any conspiracy theorists who believe in reptilians. Please don't place a lien on my house or other properties. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, and I'd like to apologize to any reptilians who might be listening. I'm sure you're lovely. Just go uh, mess with somebody else's mind. Now, there is one thing I was hoping to talk about really quickly, which was some of my new favorites of retro Christmas television programming. Oh, so these are yes, television please. programs that deal with Christmas. They were made during, I guess you might say, our childhood, or at least that time period. But they were things that I was never that I were never was never aware of as a child, and now they become kind of just as much a part of my Christmas tradition as anything else. Um, the first, uh, really quickly, there's a. Um, a 1972 television film that was broadcast in England on BBC Two as a Christmas ghost story. Okay. And it's called The Stone Tapes. Now, this was actually written, the screenplay was written by a guy named Nigel Neal. And I don't know if you're familiar with Nigel, Nigel Neal. I only discovered him later in my life. Um, but he's a science fiction and horror writer. Okay. And he created a character called Professor Bernard uh, Quatermass. Quatermass. I'm and, familiar with Quatermass. Yeah, Quatermass. BBC described Quatermass as Britain's first television hero, and I think you probably can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Quatermass was really influential in the creation of Doctor Who. That's my understanding. Um, right. Obviously, I'm big into Doctor Who. I, I do a Doctor Who podcast with my good friend John called Podcastica, also here on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. Um, right. But yeah, Quatermass does, if I remember correctly, predate doctor who it was a bit of science fiction that you were getting on the bbc pre-1963 right. um to what extent it you know really influenced it i'm not 100 percent sure that i'd have to research that first it's just brilliant stuff neil also would go on in 1976 to create a a wonderful horror tv miniseries called beasts which included an episode about a strip club owner who was haunted by the ghost of a murdered dolphin named Bud buddy boy i'm sorry what <laughs> You heard me. You heard me. You heard me, bro. I, bro. But, but, but here's the thing. So we're talking about the stone tapes. The stone tapes is his Mount Everest, and I'll ta I'll be really quick about this. But it's about a group of scientists working in an abandoned haunted mansion, and the scientists discover that what others thinks what others think is the ghost that lives in the mansion, they're they're actually sights and sounds from the past that have been recorded in the very stones of the building. It's what's oh. so called residual hauntings. Yes. Now, these scientists, they're working in this haunted mansion, and they set to work to discover how to play back these recordings on demand in order to invent a new form of recording media and thus become rich and famous. And that's – okay, sure, okay. And here's the, here's the <laughs> kicker. My favorite character in this television movie, it's played, she's played by the actress Jane Asher. She's probably best known for being Paul McCartney's ex-girlfriend and the inspiration behind several Beatles songs. Okay. Anyway – so Asher, she's the lone woman on this team of scientists, and she serves as a computer programmer. And ironically, computer programming was considered like a menial and almost secretarial task during the early days of computing in the 1950s and 60s. Mm -hmm. So they always gave the programming jobs to women for the most part, unlike today when it's a sometimes powerful and lucrative and mostly male-dominated profession. Huh. Now, without giving away too much of the plot, Asher turns out to be the only member of the team to fully understand the full nature of the paranormal goings-on. But again, it's like – I think it's Neil, part of Neil's genius. He's coming back to this recognition of some of the scarier underpinnings of Christmas. And even to this day, residual haunting hypothesis has become known as the stone tape theory by parapsychologists. It's amazing. It's a great Christmas thing. Now, that's impressive. Um, Maybe these were the stories of long, long ago that they were singing about. It's possible. 
Um, and then there's also in 1987 there was another TV movie uh, here in, in the United States, Christmas Comes to Willow Creek. Now, now I've never I, I I have to interrupt you real quickly because when oh, I yeah. saw that title and you hadn't really filled in any information, I was like, really? Willow Creek? There's like a there's like a Christmas Bigfoot story. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? What? We need a Christmas Sasquatch movie. We do oh, need a no. Christmas Sasquatch movie. Oh. Get on that, Hollywood. There's an original yeah. idea for you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, could it be like Harry and the Hendersons Part 2 or something? Ugh, could it look amazing. better than Harry and the Hendersons, though? <laughs> Maybe there was a Harry and the Hendersons Part 2. Somebody's going to write in and, like, I'm going to have to, like, give up my geek and nerd, like, membership badge. Cause no, just, like, no, 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 no. You got that for life, bro. It's all good. So 1987, we had Christmas Comes to Willow Creek, stars John Schneider and Tom Wopat as truck-driving brothers in Alaska. That's I mean, crazy. oh my gosh. It must be like the Dukes of Hazard meets Ice Road Truckers. Now, here's the thing. I've never actually seen it. I could go online and buy the DVD within the next five minutes, but I don't think I could bring myself to see it. It's more like I wish I could go back in time and make my little kid version of myself watch this because... I loved the Dukes of Hazard as kid. Oh yeah, I me think, too. I think you you loved them too. And it's oh, like, absolutely. I mean, this 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 television movie probably has nothing to do with the Dukes of Hazard, but there's a part of me that hopes there's like Roscoe P. Coltrane on like a like a dog sled or something like this, you know, or like you know Boss Hog and like a like a snowcat or something. And it's just, I know it's not going to be like that, and that's why I can't bring myself to watch it because I would be disappointed. But I just, it's like this beautiful idea in my head that i just love and it keeps me warm at night i don't know that's all i have to say so. no that that's fantastic and and one thing that i like doing with podcasts is uh coming up with an alternate title for every episode and i think boss hog and a snow cat might be the <laughs> might be the one for this all right uh for this episode that's awesome oh my oh gosh. boy hey now what are some of your memories of the Christmas tree and Christmas decorations that we had as children. Ah, uh, there are so many. That's probably one of the more more vivid memories. I'm sure I'm going to come up with a lot, and we'll, I'll try to keep it uh, short. But I, dude, we for many years we had a living Christmas tree. That's crazy because you're entirely right, and I have entirely strong memories of this. But until we did our show notes, I had forgotten all about the tree. You're correct about the name. We actually named it Charlie. That was the name we had for this tree. Yeah. I think we must have had it only during the 80s. I think by the time we got to the 90s, we actually had trees from like the tree lot down the street. Um, but I think just to give our listeners kind of like a visual idea of what we say, what we mean when we say a living Christmas tree, imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, my memory is we had maybe like a um, a, a planter made out of wood that might have been two or three feet tall with yes. little wheels on the bottom, like casters you might find on like a piece of furniture. Correct. And it was full of soil, and growing in the soil was a young I presume Douglas fir, or I don't know what species of tree Christmas trees are, and maybe the tree itself was probably about three feet tall or so. That's so absolutely correct. The whole package was kind of ridiculous looking because you had this huge <laughs> planter and then a relatively tiny Christmas tree, and it lived in the backyard, and when it was Christmas season, we would wheel it in from the backyard into the house and decorate it and put toys around it gifts around it and i yeah. think that's that's pretty much the memory right yeah that is christmas charlie and and that's what i'd say about him is that you know what i always thought was kind of handy is that it was so easy when you got a christmas tree from a lot to um you know 
especially like Christmas Day, once everybody comes over and everybody's brought their presents and there's a bunch of presents, you kind of lose the very bottom of the tree. Since we had two and a half, three feet to work with before the tree even started, you right. weren't hiding the tree, even if right. you had a bunch of presents out there. But it was so weird because it's like, was this some sort of fad during the 1980s that I'm just not aware of? Was it like a hippie thing to like I, have a living Christmas tree? I think... There was maybe a little bit of that going on because I, I think as we got further into the eighties, um, you know, the environmental movement kind of was, was growing a bit. And, and what you had is people going like, well, why would you cut down a tree and have this dead tree in your house? And then you just kind of throw it out afterwards, dude. Right. right. Um, which I totally get and, 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 and I respect, uh, uh, greatly. I mean, the environment is incredibly important. Um, and so, yeah, I think, uh, mom and or mom and dad, uh, glommed onto this idea of like, Hey, let's just get ourselves a tree and we keep it in the backyard right. all the time. And we don't have right. to go hunting for a tree every year until right. it completely gets infested with ants and kills the tree. Right. Right. Exactly. Which is unfortunately oh, how Charlie goodness. went. Uh, was it really? Yeah. Oh, totally wow. over, See, totally overrun with ants one year. I didn't know that. Yeah, because I figured at one point he would have grown too large to fit in that planter. You would have had to – I don't know what we would have done, really. Uh, let him off into the wild somewhere. Right, yeah, take, exactly. take him, Take him out in the – you know, down a desert, deserted road somewhere and just, you know, kind of dropped him off and ran. No. <laughs> right, like flush him down the toilet when your pet alligator gets a little too big or something. Exactly, yes. I don't sewers. ever recommend trying to flush a Christmas tree down a toilet. That won't work. Not at all, not no. at all. No. <laughs> now, can you remember – the 1992 Hallmark keepsake ornament that we had, which was the Shuttlecraft Galileo. What are some of your memories of this, oh, if any? God, I, we, we would at least get one new ornament every year. And when Hallmark right. was doing their run of like, like during the Star Trek: The Next Generation era, um, yeah, I mean, we 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 had the Shuttlecraft. I think we had an Enterprise. Yep. Um, yep. we, we had a couple other ornaments if memory serves. God, that's twice now. This, oh boy. Um, that would plug into one of the sockets on your Christmas lights. For and the lights. Do exactly. things. Yeah. And it would light yeah. up or it would be motion activated or be something. electronic and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Now, do you remember what would happen when you hit a button? Uh, was, if I remember uh, right, it. If I remember right, it was uh, Leonard Nimoy wishing us a Merry Christmas. It was. It's, and you were, letting us live long correct. and prosper. <laughs> exactly. And it was, you know what? As a as a young adult, I, I got endless pleasure hitting that button. Oh, yeah. I'm amazed that that switch did not break with how much we right. would hit it. Right. Totally. Now, now our, our, our listeners might not be aware that, that um, our father actually suffers from uh, what's called uh, ranidophobia. And Taylor, can you tell us a little bit about ranidophobia and how this represented it, uh, itself in our Christmas trees? No, no, I can't because I have no idea what ranidophobia is, although I can guess based on the ornament, it's a fear of frogs. It is a fear of frogs. Our poor father, as we may have said uh, earlier in the podcast, our parents are saints and they got us everything and anything we asked for. And they were just <laughs> amazing people and they are amazing people. And how did we repay all of the love they gave us? By specifically getting Christmas ornaments that played off their phobias and problems. And uh, poor dad, we got this one ornament, and it was made of glass, and it was in the shape of a frog. And not an evil-looking frog, but a happy frog. 
Um, and we would always put it on the tree to kind of abuse our fa- poor father. Um, and I, it was interesting because they were they were made of glass. I think they were hand blown, mm-hmm. and they were the glass was slightly iridescent. And yes. I remember I have this distinct memory of uh, as a child of mom referring to Christmas ornaments that were made of glass and they were handmade and that were iridescent as being quote unquote Polish in origin, yeah. which. I mean, I, I suppose that's true. I don't know if they're – I mean, I suppose Poland has a, a tradition of, of um, hand-blown glass Christmas ornaments, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I remember not too long ago, mom and dad got some Christmas ornaments, I think at the Costco, that were actually, I think, manufactured in Asia. And it's interesting because on the, on the um, box, uh, it, they were described as – "Quote unquote mouth blown rather than hand blown, mm-hmm. which is actually really when you think about it, kind of interesting because I if you have someone, place. yeah, if 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 maybe English isn't your first language and and somebody says that they're hand blown, I mean obviously you blow glass with your mouth, so it's 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 kind of understandable why somebody would think well obviously it's mouth blown not hand blown. Right. right. I always thought that was really interesting. No, but that yes, is that had, is interesting. We had the evil we had the evil frog ornament. There was yeah. also an accompanying scary clown. Christmas ornament we yes. on the tree. Oh my gosh, I very remember that famous. One really well. Also made of glass, also slightly iridescent, and it was a clown's head, just as creepy as any creepy clown you could see, except his body was like some sort of weird spiral corkscrew. Yeah, it like it started going to its shoulders and then it just became a shape. I mean, how disturbing is that? I mean, again, we're going back to kind of like the slightly scary Christmas overtones. I love it. <laughs> a very haunted Christmas, everyone. Right. Right. Definitely. Um, what about what about stockings? Because I seem to remember we kind of had some crazy stockings in our family they, over the years. They, we had stockings galore, and they were hung with care. Let me tell you, brother. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. I mean, we had. I had. Um, I had multiple stockings. Yep. I had one with my name embroidered on it, but I also got a comically large stocking. Oh, I believe God. at the. Walgreens, no, it, not Walgreens, at the um, Woolworths outlet at the Valley Fair shopping mall. Oh, jeez, back when the back when we had Woolworth, I remember that I know. place. Do you remember that? I We're do. Like I remember the, the Woolworths totally. I can talk about Woolworths. Yeah, I know. Sure, the Australians. Yeah, right. What are what are what are some of what else? What other family stockings? Oh my remember? gosh. Well, obviously, I I remember yours, and it was just massive. It's, I mean, it, it was mantle to floor almost. Yeah, when I say comically large, I mean it was it was ridiculously comically large. I yeah. mean this thing was probably a good four feet long or something. It and was. Maybe, and maybe two and a half feet wide. I it mean, was really wide too. I remember that. It was Andre the giant sized. I mean it was huge. Yes, <laughs> to say it's the stocking for the fifty foot woman. Exactly. Um, well, I mean, I really it's funny. I don't remember mine all that much. I don't remember mm-hmm. having like particularly snazzy or unusual stockings but i remember dad's um yes i think this i think this was found in like a like an antique store it was it and was it, and it was it was felt and 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 the design on it was all cut from felt but I, it was basically like a nudie pinup girl yep on a stocking and all our christmases were bright it was amazing. It's it's green felt stocking, obviously yeah. homemade. It's almost more of like a piece of folk art. <sighs> and there's a um, there's a, a nude woman. Um, she has a, a Christmas hat or a you know Santa hat on. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, I think, she has two sequins as pasties yes. sewn in to her bosoms. 
Um, it, it, there's nothing necessarily pornographic about it. I mean, it's actually rather kitschy and rather innocent. Very much. Um, but it, it, it's just the perfect stalking. And I think actually at one point, one of the um, elements that formed one of her two eyes actually fell off. The, and dad, I think dad took like a, like a Sharpie and kind of like inked in like a second eye. Cause she like for a couple of years, she just only had one eye. Yeah. She was winking. Wasn't she? I, we I kept so. saying she was winking at you. I think so. I think so. Oh yeah. my gosh, what a great memory! Yeah, that actually got retired just a couple of years ago. Mom and Dad said because oh it got, really? It started, yeah, it's it's actually gone. Getting to be too fragile. I think so. I think yeah. they've retired it. I um, get it. So long as it's still in the family, that's that's kind of the important thing. Right now, can you remember? Okay, Grandma Jerry, do you remember any of her Christmas dolls that she had? Ah, uh, ooh, Grandma Jerry, boy. Um, they're they're actually manufactured. They were made by a company founded by a lady named Annalee Thorndike. She was a housewife from New Hampshire. Or or a TV personality in the 60s. <laughs> that too. And if you've, if you've never seen Annalee dolls, you should Google it. Because these are dolls. They're, they're, I swear if you see a picture, you will instantly say, I know what those are. But ladies and gentlemen, if you've never seen Annalee dolls, they're very popular. They're very collected. But they, they the dolls oh, have yes. faces. The faces on the website of the company, they're described as mischievous and whimsical faces. Um, or terrifying. I, or terrifying. I personally think they all look like scary burn victims. <laughs> and, they, and Grandma Jerry loved these things. And she had yes. them. They had them for all different sorts of holidays. In fact, I think after Grandma Jerry passed, I know for a fact that our Uncle uh, Jeff and our Aunt Debbie inherited Grandma Jerry's Annalie dolls that are related to Thanksgiving. When I saw them just last week, they okay. their house was full of these dolls, and they were terrified, too, of them, <laughs> to and be honest. And yet they put them out. And yet they put them out. And, and again, I think we're going back to the whole creepy creepy Christmas thing here. I think it's oh, great. Here's, here, and here are some of the Thanksgiving ones. I'm looking at a Google image search right now. Um, I'll, I'll put a link to these. If folks, once you see them, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember those. Do you remember the them, I totally remember them. As soon yeah. as I saw them, I'm like, oh, yeah, yep. these. Yep. Holy moly. Yep. Oh, man. Well, speaking, speaking of grandparents, we, right. you know, we grew up going to um, dad's parents, so our paternal right. grandparents' um, house, mobile home out in Sunnyvale, right. um, you know, which probably now is, you know, it's, it's the, I know the, the mobile home park is still there, but it's probably way more expensive to live there now, uh, probably. being as close to all the big tech. But we would go there on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, family would come up from wherever else, Hollister, Porterville, uh, out of right. state, whatever. And, and, and we would just have just a real big Christmas on Christmas Eve. Right. Um, and, and I don't know how. I mean, really looking back, how did we fit that many people? into that little mobile home. But I remember the Christmas tree that they would put up, um, had the multicolored lights. I will yeah. always, I will always vote yes on multicolored lights over white lights. Right. I only right. recently had to accept LEDs into my life, but, right. um, these lights in particular, I just had this very vivid memory that there was basically like a, like a plastic cup, at the bottom of the light fixture that was, you know, it, it was, it was beveled. It was, mm -hmm. um, um, it was faceted. That's the word mm -hmm. I'm looking for, um, to kind of help let that light kind of sparkle a little bit more. And I always just mm. thought that those lights were, 
the coolest thing. I'm just like, more lights need those. Those are cool. That is ringing such a deep bell in my subconscious memory. It's like yeah. I can't, I can't visualize them, but at the same time, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, I think you're exactly right because Christmas Eve with my with uh, dad's side of the family, yeah, was it was such a fun time, and we got to open up one present that night early, and in a sense, that was almost. For some years, at least, that was my favorite part of Christmas. It, Christmas morning, Christmas morning is obviously game time, right? That's the main event. But sometimes, <laughs> a couple years in my childhood, Christmas morning, it kind of felt like um, it kind of felt like uh, anticlimactic a little bit because Christmas Eve was so much fun, you know? Yeah, I um, get it, and I I know for years I kind of struggled with all that build up to Christmas, and then it would be over so quickly mm-hmm. and, and and it kind of leaves this void and oh. you kind of like as a kid I, I i don't i don't know that i always knew how to cope with it right um i right. i I'll, I'll be totally honest i feel feelings very strongly and so we oh, yeah. kind of come through that and it would just be like this you're like in free fall a little oh, yeah. bit and and i'm happy to say that you know as i've gotten older and had a family and now had kids I'm much more aware of that, and I and it's you know we're we're much more um, skilled at kind of making sure that Christmas feeling kind of lasts right. beyond just boom the main event and then it's done. Well, I think that's good because I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Christmas originally um, was a was a 12 day long event that started with Christmas Day, and then the 12th. Uh, night was the end of it, so that's where you get like the Shakespeare play Twelfth Night. Mm-hmm. I think it's the the Twelfth Night. It's referring to the final day of a twelve day long Christmas season that began on t- December twenty fifth, if I'm not mistaken. So it's weird. It's inverted. It's like now our society. It's like basically from Thanksgiving until Christmas Day. That's the Christmas season, and then once Christmas Day is over, it's like Christmas is over. Over. Um, whereas yeah, we don't I even think get our Boxing ancestors. Day. Yeah, our ancestors, it's, it was like reversed almost, you know? Yeah. But, um, no, it's, that's, that's so, an interesting observation. I like that. One last memory of Christmas decorations, I have to say. Yes. The Christmas lights on the outside of houses, <sighs> there were there was a type of light that I think had – they were multicolored. They mm-hmm. had glass bulbs. Mm-hmm. And the light that they gave off was um, almost uh, mute or uh, – it was like a matte color. If you think of paints, you have gloss paint and then you have yep. matte paint. It was like a matte color. And today, 90% of Christmas lights are LEDs. But every once in a while, I'll be driving around and I'll see someone who has Christmas lights that are obviously at least 30 years old. And they have this same dull matte glass bulb glow that I can't describe. But if I saw it, everybody would know what I'm talking about. And when I see those lights to this day, that's when I get like the heartstring pulled. I – yes. Because do you those, know what I'm talking about? I absolutely do. Those were the lights that we had on our house. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're, you know, big, maybe, I don't know, inch and a half long bulbs, yeah. glass, painted, right? This yes. uh, this wasn't colored glass. This was literally yes. paint in glass or paint on glass. I wasn't sure if it was ever on the outside or the inside. Right. And, and of course, the, the light is incandescent. Yes. Um, it's, yes. it's not a light emitting diode. It is literally right. a resistive wire. Um, right, yeah, right. we're nerdy. Um, and, and yes, there is something that is so very, um, classic about those, especially oh. for us and for people of our generation. Now, I, oh, God. I, I will admit, okay, we bought our house 
this year, right? We've been renting yeah. it for a number of years. We bought it this year. You know, we've, right. we've got to be mindful of costs and of power and everything. So yeah, oh, sure. we are running, we're running LEDs in the tree. We're running LEDs outside. Um, and there's to, nothing wrong with that because I no, think, I think, no, I agree I with, with my, with my nephew and your son, um, that's what he's going to grow up with. And I think that he's going to, when he's older, look back on LEDs fondly, probably, you know, what sure. I mean? Because it'll all be, you know, giant holograms outside houses or something crazy <laughs> exactly. like that. Um, right. or it'll be, you know, a complete wasteland and nothing will exist anymore. Who knows? I had this, this, you know, day and age, but what I was trying to go with that point is that our neighbors next door who are awesome people, um, and they do definitely get into some vintage stuff. Um, <laughs> if you ever get the chance to go inside their house, there's some really neat toys and some really neat old stuff. But a lot of their lights, at least on one side of their house, are those lights. Oh, are you really? Are you serious? I am dead serious. You've got to come oh. over sometime. Oh, yeah. Stay until after dark. Right. Um, which, you know, is what, 4.30 now. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and see those lights or I'll try to get some pictures and send them to you if nothing else. But yeah, when okay. I saw them putting them up and I was like, Oh, you guys have those lights. Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. That yeah. is, that is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Wait, Hey, what do you say we uh, wrap this up with a discussion of some of our favorite Christmas food memories? Oh, uh, that's just making me hungry and I've already had dinner. Sure. Let's do it. Oh my gosh. Now, what, what was your, was your preference for original candy cane or bubblegum flavored candy cane? You know, I'll be honest. I love bubblegum flavor, mm -hmm. um, but I've I've got to go just with regular, you know, original peppermint candy cane because that's what I remember having first. I mean, that's kind of that first right. memory. Um, right. You know, I still love some of the fruity flavors that you can find nowadays and stuff, but uh, you you can't go wrong with. It. I mean, I go nuts if I can find peppermint ice cream. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, do you have any memories of? the special raviolis that we would eat on Christmas Eve with oh our God. paternal grandparents. Yes. Now these raviolis for people in who grew up in San Jose, like we did, they might have really fond memories of these. These were, um, uh, it was a special recipe actually brought over, uh, from Northern Italy, from the region of Lombardy by an immigrant by the name of Joseph Mondora. Now, basically what happened in 1954, there was a delicatessen that opened in San Jose called Piantos. It was the Pianto family. And they used Joseph's recipe along with a special raviola press dating back to 1908. God to dang, make, wow. They made these amazing um, beef and cheese mm -hmm. uh, raviolis that had a filling with a plant called Swiss chard. And... They made these raviolis and sold them from like the 1950s up until when they closed in 2009. And, you know, during that time, it was Pianto's delicatessen. At some point, it became the Lupreta delicatessen because the Lupreta family took over in 1994. But I'll tell you, these, they used to, the delicatessen used to be located on Stevens Creek Boulevard in San Jose, um, right next to a really great um, army surplus store called yes. Stevens Creek Surplus. Kind of love that place. And I have such great memories of eating these things. Mm. And they were just amazing. And I can remember they actually left the Stevens Creek Boulevard location and I think about two thousand four, right before or right um right after I got home from graduate school. And I can remember 
mom placing a phone order for some of these holiday raviolis and then me driving over to pick them up and there being only one last container of like the red sauce it went with oh my god and like like i i like i did a mad scrum to get this last container because i was just like i need these raviolis and they were they were so good and they were really small they weren't like chef boyardee sized raviolis no but they were yeah they were like you go get um raviolis at a restaurant or something you know they're bigger bigger than an inch in each direction right and these were yeah these these were smaller raviolis they they closed in 2009 they're not available anymore but i'm not ashamed to say i've actually spent more time than i care to admit uh, stalking some of the family members of the of the delicatessen on Facebook to see if I could like, you know, still buy some of these raviolis out of like a trunk of a car or something like that. <laughs> some guy uh, in an alley and back in his coat. Hey man, you you need some raviolis? I got some, yeah, got some raviolis like, there, man. Oh my gosh! I don't know so... why he was Mexican. The way I did it, I I didn't mean to imply anything like that. <laughs> That's well, just the voice what? that came out of my mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I would, I don't know what I would give to have one last dish of that. Because obviously it's something I'll never eat again, mm-hmm. you know. But um, it's it was just such a great memory. And it oh, was such absolutely! A those those raviolis you know? are without equal. I'm so glad you remember those. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Yeah. Honestly, unfortunately, as as a kid, it, that and the sauce kind of tear my stomach up a little bit. But it was worth it because it was delicious. Oh, so good! <laughs> so good! Ah. Uh, well, you know what? I'm in such a Christmas mood now. I'm so glad that we did this podcast and talked about all these wonderful childhood memories. I know. I this this, really this has been a blast. And the the level of information you have on stuff is just amazing. I'm happy just to reminisce. And you're like, here's the history on stuff. And here's how old the machine is they had. Oh, and here's yeah. this and here's that. And I was like, holy moly, dude. I just, you know I just, your stuff. I just love this stuff. I just eat it up. Oh, my gosh. Definitely. Oh, man. Well, I love well, you. Merry Christmas. I love you, man. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to all the listeners. Thank you for, yeah. for tuning in and checking us out. Totally. Should we wrap this up? I think let's do it. All right. Well, while I don't have the page built yet, go and like us on Facebook. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, I'll get that put up when I when I get this episode edited and published. Um, and, and follow the show on Twitter and Instagrams at memory serves pod. Um, I'll try and put up pictures, uh, from some of the stuff that we remember as kids. And we'll obviously tweet out, uh, stuff about the show. You can follow me on Twitter at apex Buddha. You can follow Seb brand new to Twitter at, uh, clan McMuffin. Who just, doesn't like egg McMuffins? Who doesn't like egg McMuffins, man? When I saw that you chose that, I thought that was brilliant. Clan McMuffin, gotta love it. You know so, what I need? I need the clan need? McMuffin tartan, and like, yes. like a like a Scottish tartan, but it's like the the egg McMuffin like wrapper pattern. Sure, but oh, but sorry. it's got to be the it egg McMuffin wrapper pa- wrapper pattern from from the eighties. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, those those muted yellows and browns. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Just search up If Memory Serves. Please rate and review us as well. I know everybody says, hey, give us five stars. But you know what? That drives me nuts. Be honest. If you want to give us five stars, great. Thank you. And if we're only worth four, that's fine as well. I appreciate honest criticism. Um, also, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G. That's where all the Night of the Living Geek uh, network episodes get posted. So if 
you are into us, but you also like some Doctor Who, or maybe you like wrestling, or maybe you like anime, or maybe you like all sorts of pop culture stuff. You can find it all there. Um, and while you're there, be sure to check out all the podcasts you can find over at notlg.com. And if you got a chance and you've got the money to help support the network, check out patreon.com slash notlg. Lastly, we want to... Um, give shout outs and props to uh Betonal Landscape. They do our intro and outro music and big thanks to them for letting us use their song Blitz. You can check them out on Twitter at Bitonal. Oh, I knew I was going to say it. I always called it Bitonal and when I was chatting <laughs> them up to get permission to use the music, they're like, "It's actually pronounced Bitonal." I'm like, "Oh. Oh, that totally makes sense." Oh, well, I've been doing it wrong all this time. I pronounce Bitcoin as Bitcoin, so don't don't feel bad. All right, don't actually bite coins, people. Um, check them out on Twitter at Betonal Lands, Betonal underscore Lands. Check their Facebook page. Uh, check them out on Bandcamp. They're also on Spotify and SoundCloud as well. All right, well, that's it for us this month. Join us again in January when we talk about some other aspect of our childhood in the 80s. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you then. Bye-bye. Woo! We did it. We did it! We oh did it! God. This has been a Night of the Living Geeks production. For more information and content, visit NLTLG.com.